I will never, ever, ever get over the fact that in my father's house, <laughs> there's a place for me. And there's one reason for that, and one reason only, Jesus. So, in your worship folder is an outline that you can follow along with. There's some fill-ins. There's also the, the questions for the discussion guide for the groups on the back that you're not allowed to look at now, but you can look at them later. Um, I don't want you distracted. Today, as I said, it's our last episode today. This is, um, we called it the one with the boundaries. I, I've kind of changed it to the one with the circles. And you'll see why that this is the one with the circles. And I got to tell you, um, this may end up being my favorite, but it, it has been by far the scariest to prepare for, um, given the most tension to me. So, um, I've spent the most time um, kind of working through this in my head. Um, what we're going to talk about today um, a little bit is kind of unfriending. Now, with the whole social media thing, and people have their friends online, and you, you know, the unfriend, you, uh, if you're at all acquainted with social media, you know you got this friend who there's just way too many posts, or too many rants, or they're too annoying for some reason. How many of you have unfriended somebody because uh, of weird stuff like that? Okay, don't point at them, please. Just put your hand up. That's all I meant. Um, here's the problem. We have kind of come, um, uh, what we understand as friends and the whole unfriending thing, because of social media, it kind of un unintentionally probably, it tries to connect people, but it unintentionally downplays the importance of friendships. You know, it, something's going on that you don't like, you just click and distance yourself from that person. And so rather than saying we're going to unfriend people, it sounds a little negative, okay, in pursuit of pleasing God, because that's kind of what we're going to talk about. What I want to do today is look at what we might call, instead of unfriending, redefining relationships, okay? That's what we're going to look at a little bit. I would say that at different seasons of your life, to redefine certain relationships in your life is absolutely essential for every follower of Jesus, Remember what we've been saying throughout this whole series, and that's this. Your connections are contagious. Your connections are contagious. The people that are, are closest to you, they will have an effect on you. Remember we talked about like laughter can be contagious. Somebody's laughing and pretty soon everybody else is laughing, even if they don't know what the joke is. You know, they're laughing because um, connections like laughter is contagious. But we also, remember last week mentioned the flu is also contagious, and so our connections are contagious, and they can be good or they can be bad, but it will change us. Proverbs 13, 20, I love the message paraphrase of this. It says, become wise, and that's really what we want to do. Become wise, and how do we do that? By walking with the wise. You want to, you want to be smarter? Hang out with smarter people, you know? It says, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. If your inner circle is made up of idiots guess what you're going to lean towards? <laughs> That's how it works. Your connections are contagious. In fact, I would go so far as to say, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's that important. Because I look back on my life, and whenever I got into trouble, like that one time, you know... <laughs> 
I rarely did it alone. There was usually somebody there with me. Sometimes, you know, oh, let's do this. this you know, and it very seldom worked out good. We, we can and we will get into trouble when we let the wrong people influence our thoughts and behaviors. Okay? So here's what Proverbs 12, 26 is. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Okay? I understand that you, know, you have friends, you've chosen your friends, but the truth is most of us, we kind of meet our friends by chance. There's a lot of people we kind of meet by chance, but we deepen those relationships by choice. So we, we have acquaintances, we choose which ones we're going to deepen, and, and here's what our key thought for the day is going to be. If you're taking notes, this is on your notes. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Here's how Paul said it, and he went through phases in his life. There was times when he had the wrong friends too and was not living the right life. So he knows what he's talking about. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, do you know why he said do not be misled? Because it's so easy to be misled in this. He said, don't forget this. Keep this in the front. Keep this on the front burner. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I know some of you, you're thinking right now, okay, that, this is fine, but this really doesn't apply to me. Because I have my friends, but I'm not going to be misled. I won't be corrupted. But the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. That seems pretty clear, right? Yet Jesus, our Savior, our example, would say things like, well, he had it said of him, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And it's funny because the people that said that were saying it like, oh, Jesus, he's that friend of sinners. That's how they said it. He took it as a badge of honor and claimed it. Jesus was a friend of sinners. So do we stay near the sinners in our life or no? Do we go? Because Jesus was a friend of sinners, but bad company corrupts good character. I'm a little confused here. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What that means is joined together with them. That means they're in your core, your closest people. Don't be unequally yoked, joined together. But the Bible also says, be the light of the world. In the world, shine. I think, well, wait a minute. It also says, Proverbs, I've been going through Proverbs and where I'm at in my reading through the Bible, and it says, don't associate with people who are easily angered or you'll become like them and endanger your soul. Don't associate with them. But then I also read, go into all the world and make disciples. So should we avoid those people who are going to tempt us to run away from God, or should we be a light that reaches out to those people? The answer, yes. To both, yes. That's the tension that we have to embrace all the time. We have to be careful not to let the wrong influences take us away from God's will. At the same time, we have to be careful not to let our hearts grow cold because God wants to use us to show his love to a world that doesn't know him. And there's a tension in that. So how do we resolve that? 
in one sense, we really can't resolve that. Or at least I don't think we should. Because it's not, it's not going away. So today's episode of Friending, our last one, um, was called The One with the Boundaries or The One with the Circles. And we're going to look at it um, in a way, I, it's an incredibly important principle that Jesus himself illustrated. It's the way he lived his life. You heard the phrase, circle of friends, right? There's even a song, like an old song, circle of friends, you know, and the old people in here are humming it right now. Circle of friends. What we're going to look at actually builds in a way on that, and it allows us to live with that tension that we talked about. And like I said, Jesus' life is the perfect example. So um, uh, we're going to do this one circle at a time. So I'm going to have you put the circle up, but not words, just just the first circle. So let's say this is the circle, Jesus' life. And you know, Jesus, how how many disciples did Jesus choose? Twelve. You passed the test today. That's amazing. So what do you think is in the center of Jesus' circle of friends, his closest group? What do you think that is? Wrong. I set you up. Look at the first one. It's the Father. He spent more time with the Father. He would abandon everybody at times to spend time with his Father because that was his most important relationship. So when we look at Jesus' circle of friends, he had priorities. And we look at that first circle and he spent time with the Father. He would sometimes abandon people for stretches of time who needed him desperately to be able to spend time with his Father in heaven. So put the next circle up. This is the next ring around Jesus. So now, what do you think is in that ring? Remember, 12 disciples, what do you think is in that ring? And you're probably not even going to answer now because you're scared. (laughs) It's not the 12 disciples. Go ahead and put it up there. Peter, James, and John. You see, Jesus chose 12 disciples that he spent three and a half years with. But he spent more time with three of those that he chose from that. Different occasions, huge occasions in his life that he spent more time with Peter, James, and John. When, when he went to the mountain and that, the transfiguration took place and they saw Jesus glorified on this mountain and, and he ended up talking to Moses and Elijah, the three that got to see that were Peter, James, and John. When he went into the garden to pray before he was arrested, he went with the disciples. He had them stay there. And then he went a little bit further with Peter, James, and John. They were closer to him. That was his next circle. The next circle, and, and you can use the same answer and you'll, you'll get it right this time. The next circle was the other nine. Because the 12, we had Peter, James, and John. We have the other nine. That's your math lesson for today. Nine and three makes 12. And those are who he he walked with, he lived with, he ate with, he taught, he mentored. He did his thing with the disciples. So as we look at Jesus' circles and what he looked at as important and who he spent his time with, we see it was the Father, Peter, James, and John, and the other nine. The next circle, most people would think, when you're thinking about Jesus, if if I ask you who he spent the most time with, you'd either say the disciples or the multitudes. That's not even the next circle in terms of who Jesus spent his time with. It was people like Mary and Martha. Mary Magdalene, um, uh, Lazarus, people that were his friends. Sometimes they accompanied him, sometimes they were at their houses, but he would often leave the groups, the multitudes, to spend time with those people because those relationships were very important to him. 
So we look at the fact that he spent his time with the other nine, then Mary and Martha and some others who were close. We finally get to the next circle, and the next circle is the largest group of people. That's the crowds, the the multitudes, the lost people, the people who were like sheep without a shepherd, the people who needed what he had to offer. That's, he spent his time there, and we read all those stories about that and all the miracles and everything he did, but that's not necessarily where he spent his most time. He would often retreat and withdraw from the crowds to be able to spend time with these other people. Sometimes he would retreat and withdraw from them to be able to spend time with the Father. But he spent all that amazing time with the crowd. There's actually one more circle, and I considered putting a circle there, then I considered not putting a circle there because of who it is. I decided there needs to be another circle, one more circle. And you know who was in the very outer, the very least of all the things that Jesus did, and the least? Those were the Pharisees, the religious people, which is so funny because today, so many people, their first circle, their most intimate circle would be religious people. And that was Jesus' outer circle. For us, it's this. If you're a commit, and just leave that up for a while. If you're a committed follower of Jesus, those people in your inner circles, because you have those two, you might not have ever thought about it, but you have them because you've chosen them. And they're there. If you're a committed follower of Jesus, those people in your inner circles, those who influence you the most, They have to be committed followers of Jesus. It doesn't mean you spend 100% of your time with them. It means the people who influence you the most, who you influence the most, need to be committed followers of Jesus because that's where you're going to get your strength and encouragement. That's where people are going to love you. That's where people are going to correct you. That's where you're going to have that growth happen. And when you have your inner circle very committed to Jesus, your spiritual roots grow deeper. And when your spiritual roots grow deeper, your reach goes broader. Does that make sense? Did you catch that? That's what Jesus did. When your roots go deeper, your reach goes broader. I think that's actually a pretty good test of how deep a Christian really is. I know a lot of Christians think they're deep. You know what? It has nothing to do with what you know. It has nothing to do with what you wear. It has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. It's your relationship with Jesus. When your roots go deeper, your reach goes broader. Somebody who says, I'm a really deep Christian. Do you ever talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Oh, no, stay away from those people. That tells me a lot about how deep they really are. Because when you go deeper, your reach goes broader. We are to reach out to people who don't know Jesus because He is the way, the truth, and life. He is the hope. He is where the meaning and purpose in life comes from. It's not about religion. It's about an amazing relationship that we get to meet the God who created us and has an amazing purpose for us. So, how do we protect ourselves and make sure that things are going in the right direction, we're doing the right thing? Well, Our inner circle needs to be followers of Jesus so that our light can shine brighter. 
That doesn't mean we spend all our time with them. It means that that circle who has that influence on us that we influence need to be followers of Jesus. It's like this. When you look at Jesus' circle, you have to remember this. Jesus loved everyone equally. He loved everyone equally. He died for them. But he didn't treat everyone equally. He didn't spend the same amount of time with everyone equally. Remember, he only called 12 disciples. He could have called 20 or 30 or 50 or hundreds. He called 12. And of that 12, he spent more time with the three than he did with the other nine. He withdrew from the crowds to spend time with those close friends. And he withdrew from everyone to spend time with God. And there's something in me that just loved the fact that he kept the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who he loved, who had it in for him, by the way, he kept them at arm's length. He didn't let them influence them, influence him. He loved them. He died for them offered forgiveness, but he kept him at arm's length. He loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. So for us, for you and me here today, when our roots go deeper, our reach goes broader. When you're surrounded by the right people, your spiritual roots go deeper. You get more solid. When your roots are deeper, your reach is broader because you're surrounded by the right people. Then you can go into the dark world and let your light shine brighter. Does that make sense? But if your inner circle, if those inner circles aren't made up of the right people and you have the wrong voices speaking into your life, your roots are not deep enough for your reach to be broad. So people whose reach is not broad, who don't care for all those out here, do you know why that is? Because their roots aren't as deep as they think they are. When your roots aren't deep, the moment you go out, you will get your spiritual butt kicked by the devil. Because you don't have the strength to be who and what God called you to be. Today is Sunday. Most of you know that because you're in church today. In two days, it's Tuesday. That's the 12th anniversary of Journey North Church. Twelve years ago on Tuesday, we had our first public service. Here's what we at Journey North Church, for all those years, have given our all to. For over 12 years, our goal has been bring them in, build them up, teach them how, send them out. Bring them in, build them up, teach them how, send them out. Remember how we've talked about how it takes unselfish, mature Christians to be able to put reaching people who are far from God above their own comfort? It's very easy to come in and say, here's how I want it. It's much harder to say, how can I do this that I will reach more people with the good news of Jesus, knowing that it's not the most comfortable thing for me, but it's not about me. You see, that's who we are. It's been in our DNA since before day one. We're stronger and better together when our roots go deeper. And when our roots go deeper, our reach grows broader. So are you getting it? If all our inner circle friends are involved in, like, organized crime, okay? 
or, or running meth labs or, or, or maybe not quite so bad, maybe just being that incredibly negative influence or critical all the time or gossiping or making bad choices. If that's what all my inner circle relationships are, I might need to redefine some relationships. I'm not unfriending. I'm changing circles. I'm redefining those relationships. I move them to a different circle so that I can have the right people in the right circles. I'm redefining. It's about boundaries. You do not have to let everyone in the inner circle. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to let everyone in the inner circle. Do you have to love everyone? Yes. But you don't have to let everyone in the inner circle. To kind of summarize this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at two things that we will not let our friends do. And then I'm going to look at one commitment that we will keep in all of our relationships. So if you're taking notes, two things I won't let my friends do. Here's the first one. Distract me from God's plan. I won't let my friends distract me from God's plan. This is exactly what Jesus did with Peter. Peter, who is in one of the inner circles. Peter, even with good intentions, thought he was doing the right thing. Peter often did the wrong thing with the right intentions. But he, he tried to talk Jesus out of God's plans for his life. They're in a room, and Jesus had just got done telling him, as the, all of the disciples, I have to die. I'm going to die so that I can be raised back to life. This part of God's plan. He said it clear and plain to them. And so Peter looks at Jesus, the Lord of the universe who's going to die for us, says, no, 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 Jesus. We got big plans for you. You can't die. If you're going to be the king, you kind of have to be alive. And he's trying to talk Jesus out of it. And so in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus, it said, turn to Peter and said, what does it say? Get behind me, Satan. If you need to make a point with your friends, just call him Satan and tell him to get behind you. Okay, that's not the lesson we learned from this passage, all right? Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now, did Jesus love Peter? Yes. But he said, at the moment, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You're thinking the wrong thing, Peter. I can't have that influence. So, and just a word of advice about what I said earlier. If, if your wife or your husband, you know, your mother-in-law, whatever, is kind of getting on your nerves, do not tell them to get behind you and don't call them Satan. I'm just saying... Don't do that. I'm not saying it's from experience or not, but just don't do that. It doesn't work. Okay? This is one of Jesus' closest friends. But Jesus draws a line here. And he says, I'm not going to let you distract me from God's calling on my life. Now, I don't know how this might play out in your life. You have, you're coming to know better what God's plan is for you. 
You're walking in those steps and maybe someone's trying to talk you out of it. Maybe it's as simple as every time it comes to Sunday and it's time to go to church, you got somebody who's saying, you know, we don't have to go today. It comes every Sunday. You can go next week. And they try to talk you out of it. Or maybe you have people in your inner circle who they're thinking differently than you know you need to think because you've had financial issues and you're trying to work your way out of that and do God's thing so that you can have money to be able to give and donate and be generous. And you have people whose lifestyle and whose mindset is very materialistic and they love money more than people. And they're constantly trying to talk you out of doing what you know is right. It could be in a hundred different areas. It could just be in in sports where you like sports, you know sports are fun and you can have a good time with that, but you have somebody or people in your life who, for them, it's the most important thing. It's like they go to a sports event and it's like going to church to worship for them. It's a big deal. And maybe they're pulling you from where you know you need to be. It could be so many different areas in your life. I don't know all the different areas it could be for you. But you have those people who are minding the things of men and not the things of God. Don't compromise. Honoring God and what he tells us in his word will always, always, always be the best choice. Will it be the easiest choice? No. Will it be the most popular choice? No. But in the end, it will be the best choice. Always. So number one, I will not let my friends distract me from God's plan. Number two, I won't let my friends continually tempt me to sin. I love them, but I will not let them drag me down. I was on the other end of this for a long time, (laughs) dragging other people down. We need to say, I won't let my friends continually tempt me to sin. A perfect example of this, I think, is in the Old Testament. A guy named Joseph. Joseph had an incredible story. Read it in Genesis. just amazing. Um, He was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. Away in a foreign land, the brothers go to the dad and say, He's dead. An animal ate him. Here's his coat. It's all bloody. And Joseph's now gone. Joseph gets sold. Joseph gets sold into slavery. and He goes to Egypt eventually. And... Here's the thing about Joseph. With all the things that happened to him, he was a man of integrity. And he had such integrity that he started rising up through the ranks. And he became second to the guy in charge. He was honoring Potiphar, his master. He found favor with Potiphar because of his integrity. And apparently he also found favor with Potiphar's wife because she had the hots for him. Sorry. (laughs) She did. She tried to put the moves on him. You don't believe me. Listen, Genesis 39, 12. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his coat, by his cloak, and said, come to bed with me. He's alone in a room with someone who has the hots for him. They're hanging on to his coat saying, come to bed with me. Joseph could have done a whole bunch of different things. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's talk. Maybe you just need... Here's what Joseph did. 
great advice. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You realize it tells us to resist the devil. You know what it talks about in the Bible when it talks about um, immorality, things like that? It says flee. It says run away from it. He didn't stick around. He got out of there. He didn't stick around with someone who was going to tempt him. And there are those times when you will have... He really redefined a relationship. (laughs) Put her in a different circle, okay? There are times when we need to redefine relationships with a friend because they're pushing us to do the wrong thing. I don't know your situation. I don't know how it plays out for you. Let's step on some toes. Some of you have been missed today. We mentioned gossip already. What if your friends are always gossiping? Now, they don't call it that. They're just concerned. So let's talk about people for a while, and then we'll pray about it. If your friends are always gossiping, gossip is a sin. And it says, get away from it. Don't listen to it. If you don't listen to it, go away. I know there's way too many people that say, I don't repeat gossip. So listen carefully the first time. (laughs) That's how they look at it. If that's what your friends are pulling you towards, you need to redefine those relationships. Wives, you're in a group of people, and the the common theme is the wives trash-talking the husbands. Because it's fun, right? They're so bad. They'd, oh, you think that's bad? You should hear what mine does. If that's what your friends are doing, you need to redefine friends. Husbands, you got guys in your group that every time a hot girl walks into the room, they make sure they point it out and maybe say things in a way that they shouldn't say. It's time to redefine some relationships. Because those are tempting you to, do, excuse me, to do, I'm sorry, I'm excited, to do things that you shouldn't do. You have people in your circles who are, the, it, maybe it's an addiction thing, you know? Ah, oh, we're just going to party, it'll all be fine. You know where your struggles are. You know where your things are, and it's like, I can't do that. You can't live the right life if you always have people in your life telling you to do the wrong thing. You have to redefine relationships sometimes. I had to do this. When I finally came to Jesus and turned my life over to Jesus, I had one circle of friends. I didn't have a whole bunch. I had one, and they were all bad. Now, did they need Jesus? Yes. Was I ready to reach them for Jesus? No. I needed to grow and let my roots go deeper, and I had to get a whole new set of inner circle friends. Now what's exciting is how many of those people who are in that set, that circle of friends, have, have in the last 40 years come to know Jesus. That's exciting. I wasn't the one to do that. That wasn't going to be me. I wasn't there yet. I had to redefine some, some friends because what we had spent our whole life doing up to that point was basically just sinning together. And so to be able to say, I love you, I care about you, but I'm not going down with you, is a big deal. And, you, and, and I know what you're thinking, yeah, but I'm with that group of people and it's fun. 
I have fun doing that. I know it's wrong. I know it's sin, but it's really fun. And you say, Pastor, did you just say sin was fun? Sin is fun. If it's not, you're doing it wrong. Okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. But here's the problem. There's always a cost. And the cost is always greater than the fun was. There's always a cost. I won't let my friends distract me from God's plan or continually tempt me to sin. And it might not be in huge, horrific, horrendous areas. It might be just areas that people are taking me away from God's plan. And so I need to redefine that relationship and put them in a different circle. So I won't let people do that. We should not let people distract us from God's plan, continually tempt us to sin. But there's one thing I will always do and never, ever, ever, ever stop doing. The one thing I won't stop doing is loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. Which people? People. All people. Loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. Here's where some of the tension comes in. Because the worst thing that could happen as a result of this message is someone here has the attitude of a religious snob. Holier than thou. I can't have you in my inner circle because you're not good enough. I'm better than you. I'm deeper than you. I'm holier than you. I actually had a conversation this week from someone who experienced that very thing. And thankfully not from anybody at Journey North Church. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't unfriend sinners. He loved them. The people he distanced himself from were were the hypocrites and the holier than thou's. But he befriended sinners. So we let our roots go deeper so that our reach can grow broader and we will unconditionally and intentionally love people who are far from God. It's time that the church stopped judging people who aren't Christians for not acting like Christians. You tell people who's not a Christian, you shouldn't act like that. That's not how a Christian acts. And they say, well, I'm not a Christian. (laughs) That's not what I signed up for. Our job is not to make people act like Christians. I've told you this story. I had my brother who has come back to Jesus after many years of wandering. When he wandered, he really wandered. Okay? Um, the, the, The alcohol and the drugs and the bad stuff. I remember my mom saying to me, I was I was in Bible college at the time. My brother had wandered far from God, was making the wrong choices. And you know what my mom said to me? I wish, I wish that he would stop smoking and drinking and come back to church. And I looked at her. I know where her heart was. I looked at her and I said, not me. She said, what? I said, because he, if he did, he would just be someone who doesn't know Jesus, who wasn't smoking and drinking and going to church. He wouldn't be better off. He needs Jesus. He doesn't need to clean up the outside and come to church so you'll feel better about it. I got in real good with my mom that day, by the way. (laughs) It's not about them cleaning up the outside. It's about Jesus transforming us from the inside out. 
to actually love people. It's time that the church stopped judging people for not acting like Christians when they're not Christians. Remember, we accept and love everyone like Jesus did. We don't have to approve of everything they do. He didn't. But he loved and accepted them. We just don't approve of everything they do. We can never lose a heart for people. And here's the key. We have to live with that tension. The way we redefine relationships and the way we show love, that may not be easy. It may not be easy. And you don't have to go to someone's face and say, I'm putting you in a different circle because you're dragging me down. That's not what we do. We just intentionally, in our hearts, redefine relationships to make sure that we have an inner circle of people who are moving us in the right direction, who we can pour into their life, they can pour into our life, and when we go deeper, we need to then realize that makes our reach broader, and we can have those circles. That may not be easy. I can say, it won't be easy. We can see how easy it is for churches and religious groups to get that screwed up. Sometimes we have to draw a line in the sand because we don't want to fall back in the things that we were delivered from. Sometimes we have to do that. But we have to always love with unconditional love. When we do that, then we fulfill what Jesus said in John 13. Here's what he said in John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. He said, as I have loved you. How much did he love them? Um, A lot. He died for them. So that they could experience freedom. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, and this is huge. By this, by what? By loving other people. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples if you have a lot of facts. If you wear the right clothes, if you do the right thing, if you have the right religious stuff going on in your life. That's not what he said. They'll know you're followers of Jesus by your love for other people. So when we get deeper, our reach should get broader. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we can love others as ourselves. And we live with attention. Because our connections are contagious. You show me your friends that are in the inner circle of your influence, and I will show you your future. Maybe you're here today, and you need that friend that I mentioned at the very beginning. You need Jesus. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. The friend who will never leave you. Because it's not about church. It's not about religion or rules or regulations. I would say anybody can follow rules and regulations, but not everybody can. But that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is realizing Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, not his. The wages of sin is death. So he died so that you could experience life. And by saying, Jesus, I know I'm the one who sinned and you're the one who died. I believe that you died for me. I accept that. I'm turning from my way and turning to your way. That's how you become a child of God. John 1 says we believe and we receive and we have the right to become children of God then. And you can say like we did at the, for that final song of the first set that in, in your father's house there's a place for you. 
because of Jesus. That when you have that friend, in fact, if you think through your circles, maybe that's a good exercise today. Think through your circles. Is, is Jesus in the center? Is he the one who's influencing you the most? Maybe that's where you start. Maybe that's where you need to start for today. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we get ready to close in prayer. Father, you know the, the difficulty and the, the tension that I had with this today because I know how important it is to have the right people in those areas of your life that will speak into my life and that I can speak into theirs. And, and I know the, the importance of that. But I also know how important it is to unconditionally and intentionally love others and not exclude people and not make people feel like I'm, I'm better or holier. But to be able to reach people with the love of God. I pray, Father, that our roots would go deeper so that our reach could be broader. So that we could be able to share that love and hope that comes from Jesus. And Father, if there's anybody listening to this today who's never had that experience of Jesus, they've never met you, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, that today they would meet you and be able to come to you today and say, I don't understand all this, but I believe that what you did was for me. And as much as I understand, I accept that and give myself to you today. That they would become a child of God and be able to experience forgiveness from their past meaning and purpose in their life today and a living hope for the future. Father, thank you for all you're doing here in and through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Maybe today... You need that friend. You need to meet that friend that can change everything, and that's Jesus. And if you don't know how to do that, you'd like to do that, you'd like to pray with someone, all you have to do is make your way. There's a room before you go out there. Um, there'll be people in there. Somebody can kind of take you aside. They can answer your questions. They can pray with you. If you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible for you. Because we're in this together. We, wanna, we want you to meet the one who's changed our lives. And the truth is, it's impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong friends and the inner, inner circles. And when your roots go deeper, your reach will go broader. And that's what we want to be able to do. So don't forget, 12 o'clock, the Hope for Mental Health community and Jello. There's probably a whole bunch of other things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I pray that um, there would not be a person here that whatever you're asking them to do for a next step, that they would say no. They would, they would say to you, I don't understand it completely. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I believe you're asking me to do that. And my answer is yes. We know, Father, that that can change the, the course of our lives for good. We thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm.